Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. I'm David. I'm joined by my amazing wife, Jessica. Jess, say hi. What are we talking about? Well, today we're going to be talking about religion, the religion of wokeness. Wokeness. Wokeism. Wokeism. Do you see my hands in a praying position? Yes, I do. I'm narrating for the audience. So today we're going to give you some really great uh, information on how um, to identify these original sins. So we're going to identify them. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about who the angels and demons are, and of course, how you at home can purify yourself through certain rituals if you're interested, and speech. If you're interested in that. I don't think everyone <laughs> that, that listens to our podcast is going to be interested in purifying <laughs> themselves of these uh, specific uh, original sins, if, if they're even guilty of them. But, you know, I was a pastor. Uh, I am a pastor, and I actually teach world religions as well. And one of the things that I teach my students is that we're all – religious people, everyone, even the person that doesn't think they worship God or is particularly religious, the most secular person probably still has elements of faith that have been incorporated into their life. And I think mm. wokeism is an example of that. How do you think um, uh, wokeism is a, is a religion? Well, I think you have to adhere to these. Um, first of all, you have to believe a certain way. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe a certain way, um, then you're left to evangelize the rest of the world because that's what I feel like uh, is happening. You, you mean know? if you do believe that way, you are you have to evangelize gotcha. those of us that don't believe in wokeness. Right. Right. Um, and so, and then from there, um, once you do convert, that you then now need to purify yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's certain language that you have to say, and certain rituals that you have to do. Um, and just so, like a religious person, right? Yeah, like, just like um, a religious person. On a person. Sunday, many people will go to church uh, and they confess their sins, or they have that moment where they're they're getting right with God. They may have a priest or someone who encourages them and helps them to build them in their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, in wokeism, you think there are still the same priests or priestesses doing the same kind of work? Yeah, it just depends on which you know, because wokeness happens in lots of areas, and today we'll touch on three of them, mm -hmm. but. It depends on, you know, which area you're talking about, because there'll be certain priests for those certain areas like racism and homelessness and crime. You know, there'll be right. uh, leaders, right, so religious leaders in those. And I'm not saying this to, you know, poke fun at them, although I kind of am. But you had mentioned um, this famous philosopher that you you talk about. And I, I thought that the... Um, um, he, it was Nietzsche. He was talking about killing God. That's right? right. Yeah. He wrote this parable, the parable of the madman, wrote it in the 1880s. And uh, he, he made an amazing amount of um, uh, of almost prophetic things like he would write about. It was almost like he was prophesying or predicting what would happen in the uh, in the 1900s, uh, just decades after he, he would finish his uh, his parable. And he just seemed to be right on. Um, but in this thing, he, he famously wrote, God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. 
And it's not that we killed off God in a literal sense, but it's in this sense that many people have abandoned the need for God or abandoned the belief in him, believing instead that we can um, find truth on our own, we can live on our own, that we can determine what's um, important on our own, that we don't need a religious system or religious belief to do that any longer. And Nietzsche would go on to write, if we've murdered God, he says, how shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives? Who will wipe this blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Nietzsche understood that if we... If we abandon this idea of God and this belief in God, something is going to have to take its place. It's not that suddenly you go from being religious to just going through your life and you know you, you find meaning in, in what you're doing in, in that moment or in your family. Something wants to be worshipped. Something has to give meaning to your to your life. And he he rightly said, we're going to have to invent things, sacred games, rituals, uh, new, new, new things will have to take the place of God. And I think wokeism fits that criteria. I think wokeism is that religion. So let's jump in and talk about the first one, which is um, the religion of wokeness, uh, racism. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about original sins, you know, who are the angels and demons and, and all that. Well, what do you think when when the uh, the woke crowd talks about racism? Uh, if there's an original sin to racism, what would it be? Mm. Oh, it would have to be slavery. Yeah, um, right. I would definitely yes. And then who would be the guilty party to that? Who's the pervaders of that? Uh, it would be they would say whites. It seems right. to be in in a lot of the um, uh, the discord. Uh, discourse, excuse me, I guess discord too, but uh, hmm. in a lot of the discourse that happens with uh, with those on the woke side, they do talk about racism. It, it seems to be something inherent to just whites. It seems to be a one-way thing. Now, maybe that's not true. Maybe they they don't actually believe that, but it does seem, seem so, especially when you see some of their print and some of their literature and they talk about um, whiteism and and you know it, white fragility and recognizing that this is something that seems to be inherent to whites they would even say that you know it's, uh, whites have been the uh, um uh those who popularized and systematized slavery but for me i mean geez if i were just to give an apologetic which would be an answer or a rebuttal to that it would be that's a uh that's a very limited view of history. If you're going to suggest that, um, you know, whites are the the only or the mm -hmm. largest. Uh, Either they don't know history or they refuse to acknowledge. Yeah. What ha actually happened worldwide? Right. I mean, it happens everywhere. Uh, African Americans, enslaved African Americans, Africans Native Americans, yeah, because yeah, Africans and enslaved Africans sold them into slavery. Right. Native Americans right. did the same. Yeah. Um, you Christians did it to Muslims and yeah. Muslims did it to Christians. Mm -hmm. It happens even today in China. We right. know that human trafficking continues to be a huge problem around the world. So slavery persists. It still continues. But to say that this is something unique to America or especially problematic with America is, I, I don't think that, maybe they feel genuine about it, but I, 
I really don't see that as a uh, as a legitimate argument. Yeah. I mean, America literally fought a war to end slavery, uh, a civil war that nearly split the country in half. Right. Um, brother against brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't believe that about America. I certainly don't. I think that um, you know we've come a long way right. to realize those words in the in our constitution our bill of rights so um i have, yeah. to, I have to say i can't agree with that yeah and i think um america has always kind of recognized that we're not a perfect country we have these ideals and we've always been striving for the ideals mm -hmm. so it's um you know the idea that every man is endowed by his creator with uh, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and, yeah. and certain inalienable rights all of these things we we believe and we've aspired to. However, even when those words were uttered, of course there was slavery and people were disenfranchised, didn't have the right to vote back then. If you didn't even have property, you weren't able to vote. Right. Um, so the, I, 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 I understand the argument that there is racism in our roots, but to say that that's, you know, something, you know, inherent to our country or to a person's, you know, skin color that whites seem to be especially guilty of that. I just don't think that's fair. I don't think that's, um, uh, that's right. When I, uh, you've looked at the civil rights act of 1964, you've talked a lot about that in the past. Uh, especially dealing with like the mandates right. and religious freedom. Yeah, religious How does freedoms. that relate to systemic racism and racism? Well, the Civil Rights Act banned systemic racism. And so when people, you know, whenever they come before committee and they say, well, systemic issues, and I'm like, which policies? Right. Point them out to me, what page, mm -hmm. what line, so we can rectify this issue. Uh, because just saying it doesn't make it real. I, just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it real. Mm -hmm. And when I look at policies, you know, we have the equal opportunity employers and equal opportunity lenders, and we have college applications that favor minorities. So I don't see implicit bias. I don't see it woven into our structures, mm -hmm. our, our organization and in the structure of those organizations. Because that would be the easiest thing to to pick apart I and mean, to your point civil rights act 1964 says you cannot discriminate we'd be able to highlight it and that would be rooted out of that state law or that policy or that agency or if an individual was acting on that uh acting in in a manner that wasn't appropriate in uh discriminating against race or religion or they would lose their position they mm. would be sued they and and rightly so so i don't see it um and if there is an area, please point it out right. because I, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't want to address that. Yeah. You know, if you're interested in learning more about this, there's a, a an author who just recently released this book over the last month or so, uh, John McWhorter. And he's uh, an African-American professor at Columbia University, linguist, uh, but also American studies um, writer and teacher and he wrote this book called woke racism where he really just talks about that issue of uh, racism and dissects it and talks about it you know in part he the thing that bothers him is that wokeism turns african americans into totally helpless victims mm -hmm. where you are now living in a society that is built to oppress you and suppress you and keep you down no matter what and that um 
you will never be able to overcome that because the entire system is rigged against you. And that's a defeatist model. And he, he hates that. He abhors that. He doesn't think that they should be treated as victims, nor should they be treated as children. Uh, but they should be given expectations and, and be given opportunity to compete, you know, alongside alongside others. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, John McWhorter, definitely a good good read. Um, and he even talks about this as a religion in his book, Woke Racism. Um, all right. What about homelessness? Homelessness. We, we, you and I drive a lot through the city of Providence and um, we, we notice those tent encampments popping mm -hmm. up. Um, how is homelessness, how does that kind of fit into this woke uh, religion uh, well, argument? At least, uh, and I can't speak for everybody, but I have seen some legislators, they have a, a bent towards socialism and, and they feel like private property is an issue, that the free market is really the problem at hand. And if we were to, um, penalize the rich or private property, uh, maybe making things more communal, um, you know, the free market or capitalism, you want to call it, those are the issues. And, um, th those are the, 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 um, the perpetrate these, oh, the uh, perpetrators, exactly, right? So of, if you're a private property owner or yes. a, a successful person or a wealthy person, right. then you're going to want to maintain. So let me give you an example, mm -hmm. right? If you're a property owner, they keep talking about rents. Well, landlords are too greedy and they're asking too much for rent. Mm -hmm. um, and if we would just, if they would just ask less for, for their rentals, then we wouldn't have this problem of homelessness, mm -hmm. but there also isn't enough housing. And I really like to get to the root of the issue mm -hmm. because, you know, we can build more homes and that would alleviate the housing shortage and the, the prices, but we also have to look at the fact that a lot of the individuals that are homeless, they are so because of uh, either uh, substance abuse, um, mental health. Menth mental health is a huge issue, and and that really stems from the deinstitutionalization of individuals. And I'm not advocating for institutionalizing people, but what I'm saying is, they these individuals don't have the proper resources. Um, for mental health. Mm. And so what do they do? Right. You know, the, it's not just providing housing. We have to have these systems in place for individuals um, where they can get help. And it's not just enough. Well, I'm going to let you talk a little bit well, about it because we were talking about um, yes, housing but, versus yes. um, shelter. There was a, uh, a interesting um, uh, writer and um uh, I guess activist out in California named uh, Michael Schallenberger. And he yeah. is a, he's actually liberal, maybe even progressive. Maybe he doesn't identify as progressive anymore because he does not like the direction they've gone, but he is not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess by woke standards, he would be considered a right winger these days, but he, um, you know, he's an environmentalist and uh, social, socially, uh, interested in justice and all that. But he has a, a carrot and stick approach that he appreciates when it comes to the homelessness uh, issue, because he, he spent a lot of time working in the homeless populations in California, which has hundreds of thousands of them, very, very serious problem there. But he's also been to Europe. And he noticed that in Europe, they've liberalized sort of the, a lot of the, the drug use there, yeah. um, but they don't have the same homeless problem. 
And he spent a lot of time on the front lines working with people and the agencies there. And he asked, you know, why is it that you guys, what are you guys doing that we're doing wrong? And he said, in America, you guys are just too nice about it. You make it all about compassion, all about love. And there's no consequence. There's no penalty. Whereas over here, we will give you, you know, and put you on a pathway to housing and to an apartment. Uh, but there are conditions tied to it. So they use what's called the carrot and stick approach. So uh, everyone is guaranteed a shelter in, you know, in a place like Belgium. Uh, even if you're addicted to drugs or you're suffering from mental health problems and you refuse to get care, they will guarantee a shelter for you. But no one wants to stay in the shelter. They all want to go next door and they want to have their own private room, their own private bed. They want their own, you know, their, yeah, their privacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, in in this in in Europe, they've um, said, well, you can have that, but we think you need to see a psychologist. You, you need to get to this clinic. You need to start taking your medication, or you need to be sober. Right. And it's once these folks have adhered to some of these um, these carrots, or, or excuse me, have. have uh, yeah, I guess have have followed these carrots. They move from the shelters to a pr private room, and then from a private room to an apartment, and mm -hmm. hopefully, maybe even to housing or some sort of a subsidized housing. And uh, that's the policy that should be happening. But he said instead, especially in California, and he writes about this in his book San Francisco, where he talks about how progressives have totally ruined some of these um, more liberal cities mm -hmm. uh, with their with their policies. He just says you you can't just guarantee them a house. You know, in California and some of these progressives group have this uh, this uh, language called, uh, I think, housing first, meaning we have to guarantee they get a house no matter what. We have to guarantee they get housing. And when you do that and don't provide any of the other incentives, you know, like cleaning your act up, getting, you know, medication, if you're suffering from a mental health issue or counseling, or maybe you have a, uh, a drug issue that needs to be um, dealt with, you're not going to get the, the nice apartment or even the private room, you got to work on that first. So that seems to be a way more rational approach. And it's just interesting that this religion is so blind to it, mm -hmm. just insisting that these people get whatever they want. And, um, and any, um, any, it, it, I guess what they like to do is blame the um, the property owners or blame those who want to clean up the streets or don't want the tent encampments in their cities. Yeah, do, is this something that you hear about at the state house? Yeah, it's currently an issue. I mean, just recently I was in finance listening to a proposal by really by even the governor's office and other organizations about homelessness and how we needed to build more housing. And the truth is we need more housing because there is a housing shortage. Um, but uh, it is this mentality of housing first. And it's not unkind to, to insist that these individuals are receiving help either by taking their medication or mm. by um, becoming sober. It right. is not unkind to do so. We are being unkind if we let them live um, in that state because it's not healthy. It's not, it's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for their families. And any of you who are listening that know about addiction, you know that it destroys families. I've seen um, some of the more progressive, uh, I don't want to call them journalists because it's not really journalism, but they, um, they write about these things and record them and put them on social media. 
And they are outraged whenever the mayor or the police show up and clean out one of these uh, tent encampments. Mm -hmm. And they, they just think it's, it's, a, it's brutality and that we're evicting people from their homes. That is public property. You know, you can't have people living in tents with no sanitation, no running water, no bathrooms. It's not safe. It's not healthy. There's no heat. So I get it. Like it, there's a sense of compassion. You don't want to see people displaced and moved around. But if we're going to function as a society, we don't want these pockets of disease or these pockets of criminality or drug use, drug, uh, you know, uh, I mean, all kinds of crimes have been reported in some of these yeah. uh, encampments. You, uh, you need to get them the help they need. And many times it's to your point, it's going to be mental health or it's going to be um, drug abuse most of the time. Of course, there are the few occasions, right, where someone's displaced because they lost their job, they, they lost can't their pay job, their thing. They don't have any savings. Right, they're right. living in their car, and you know what? That's that's totally mm -hmm. different. That's mm -hmm. not um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're yeah. talking about individuals that need to seek help. Yeah, I mean, as a church, just this past week, I was working with someone from the state on helping three people to find a housing and apartments. But these are people that are, they do not want to be homeless. They definitely don't want to be in a in a tent. Um, they they just needed a little bit of help. They just right. need a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a safety net. And I think that's totally appropriate. But, mm -hmm. you know, just free housing, you know, car blanche, no, nothing required, no incentives, no expectations. That's not healthy. No. no. All right. What's the third one? Third one was crimes, right? Crimes. crimes. How is crime yeah. uh, related to woke religion? Well, we'll go back to private property and the, the, evil word capitalism because these are things that have uh, created and led to crime because they're the haves and the haves nots and um so when we when we look at these um i'll call them angels and demons right mm -hmm. the we're looking at organizations like black lives matter um progressive district attorneys that um will will argue that criminals that the prisoners aren't guilty, but the system is guilty. Right. So, um, and they won't prosecute. Like if, if somebody steals, you know, from CVS, mm -hmm. walks out with a carriage full of uh, medication. Or yeah. Something. Which town? Which city is that? Or which? That happens all over the place now. Yeah, but well, there was one that was in the in news California. Recently. That's it. Is, they, yeah. I think it was anything under like nine hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> you could steal, and the DA, this progressive district attorney, said we will not prosecute. <laughs> when you put that out there, make it public. Um, that it suddenly became like an open, uh, it was like Christmas for all these, these, uh, uh, I guess people bent on criminality. They just started going into the CVS and the stores and grabbing things, filling their carts and walked right out. And, and then people wonder why CVS doesn't want to go into the city, doesn't want to put a pharmacy downtown. It's because of these kind of policies in part. Yeah. We should take a vacation to California. I'm not I've interested. always wanted to visit yeah. uh, certain stores. <laughs> In California? Yeah, you know, what? Uh, those uh, high-end retail shops. I'm thinking if I can just take whatever I want that's under $999, I can oh, walk yeah. away with a lot of great souvenirs. That'll look great on your next Senate. <laughs> um, your next run for Rhode Island State Senate. I mean, how ridiculous is that, honestly? I, uh, it's to me again, it's a religion and it takes a lot of faith to believe this. I thought it took a lot of faith for us to believe what we believe when people say, oh, come on, you believe a guy rose from the dead. Well, I was like, yeah, if he's God, if he's the son of God, if this is God's plan, then absolutely. I believe God raised him from the dead. 
But to me, that makes more sense than this policy of allowing people to steal things out of, uh, you know, convenience stores or whatever. Well, you know, that's, you know, it's good for society. We're talking about evil capitalism and evil you know, private property, evil evil property yeah if well, you have it and i want it i should be able to take it I, I wonder if wokeism ever talks about jealousy or coveting right some of these that's other not a sin though sins. <laughs> not under the crime of no God. it's justice i guess right in, yeah in their uh, in their lens that's true you reframe it got it um so you know i was just thinking about uh in this instance there would be individuals who would um, with a, crime, right? Yeah. Well, not even crime, but maybe those who would defend the argument that prisoners aren't guilty ones, it's really the system, that they mm -hmm. would want to abolish or defund the police. Yeah. Because the police are also the bad guys in this situation, right? The prison guards. Right. Right. right? Yeah. They're the perpetrators of it. They're um, profiting off of it. When, I mean, in reality, somebody has to do that job and uh, it like when I look at um, um, the problems of of crime, it's fascinating to me to hear what some people, how some people in Rhode Island want to, um, uh, how, how they want to remedy that. And they talk about, you know, defunding the police or getting rid of the police. And um, in you and I met a city council member in Providence, right? Right. And he had, he was telling us, that what was it three or five of the council members oh, out of i can't 15? remember yeah uh what did uh, walk us through that yeah he just said that they were you know they were discussing defunding the police and someone had brought it up that it would be you know a super idea mm -hmm. and um they voted on it they, though like it was it yeah made it... yeah and the um the council members that represented minority communities within mm -hmm. Providence were like, no, heck no, we want, we want the police, but it was more of the East side, you know, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to call them the upper crust, but they were like, no, no, we need to defund the police. Well, I would say it's the side that, that has like, you know, woke religion on every corner. Yeah. They, they, um, they totally embrace, uh, wokeism over there and they wanted to defund the police, but the other aspects of the city that actually deal more with uh, with crime recognize the police are there to deter crime they want the police in their neighborhoods and we're seeing how a lot of the the um uh, what, what were you gonna yeah say? well i was just thinking like at first i just remember people saying well we need be more people that look like us to police our communities so that is happening mm -hmm. i know i know several uh, individuals minority individuals that are police officers in providence but now it's gone from we need more people that look like the community too. The police are bad mm. and we need to abolish them. Right. Yeah, I mean, when when I think of the uh, the efforts to defund or abolish the police, like Senator Mack, um, I think she works for Planned Parenthood too, but you know, she, she didn't just want to defund them. To actually abolish the police, how can you be taken seriously? If you're a lawmaker and you're interested in making the state better, who do you think is going to patrol the streets or maybe that's the point they don't want someone to patrol the streets like who if somebody lawlessness completely breaks lawlessness. into your house who's supposed to, who are you supposed to call the police uh Social well worker. you don't call the police well you have your gun well not if you're if you have your way we don't have our firearms either so i, I it really i i don't know how this i i, I guess I have to sit down with one of them and just kind of pick their brain to see how this 
logically works out. It doesn't logically work out. I know it doesn't, but I'm wondering what, how they would answer yeah, these questions that I have. Out, yeah, yeah. Right. I have to spend some time with like Senator Bell and pick his brain or somebody else. Over and there. you know, he would sit with you. Yeah. 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 I'm sure he would. Yeah. Um, all right. So Next. today we've looked at the religion of wokeism. Any final thoughts on this religion, Jess? Do they, should wokeism enjoy freedom of religion? Wokeism is a false religion. <laughs> but should they and you should enjoy, reject it. Would Roger Williams protect the right of wokeism? He, no, he would just call it nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like, this is not a religion. Yeah. Until it, I think (laughs) once it starts to mess around with the state, you know, like talk about separation of church and state. First of all, if wokeism is a religion, they have totally infiltrated the state house. They've got their tentacles. They've got their tentacles in there. They are openly talking about their policies and in, 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 in forcing their religious beliefs on the rest of our state. Maybe that's the way I'll just, that's the angle I'll come at it. Yeah. This is a religion. We have a separation of church and state. We cannot <laughs> adopt these policies. Uh, feels like that might be the best way to take it on. Because I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm trying not to lose hope, but... When I hear of this thing really taking off and seeing people embrace it, I don't think a lot of people realize have started to think about wokeism as a religion. But uh, seeing Michael Schallenberger and the way he kind of really wrote about this and uh, some of these other, um, uh, oddly enough, that m- many of them very liberal people, but mm-hmm. they just f- felt like, whoa, this is not this is not what I signed and up for. And that's what gives me hope. Yeah, is because these individuals, these liberal individuals, are rejecting. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, re- rejecting these these beliefs, nonsensical or, beliefs, right? Yeah. And and so, if we keep talking about it, if we keep um, really shining a light on it, I think, you know, we'll uh, we'll have a, a good chance to to refute these and quash them. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in for an- another episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 